So tonight, um, for sharing, um, sharing stories, sharing, sharing yarns, we have a bit of a combo deal for you all. So um, I'm just going to frame up um, a little bit of this time, and then Jesse and Hamish are going to be the main people that take the floor. But yeah, just wanted to frame up that last weekend we had Cindy uh, Rokire sharing with us, and um, part of what she brings is the fact that she was um, around on the scene at Blueprint right from the very start. So during lockdown, Blueprint actually um, had a lockdown birthday. We turned 16, um, which is pretty, pretty precious, sweet 16. And I guess thinking about um, the journey of this church community, um, it really reminds me that the church is actually just people. It's um, people of God coming together and um, sharing a, a common life and a common story and a common experience of what God's doing with them at, at the same time. And so our treasure as a community is actually our people who hold um, the memories of what God has done, where God's been faithful and yeah, our, I guess our, um, yeah, our treasure in the sense that they um, get to share with us the family stories of where God has been in our midst. And so Cindy comes along and she reminds us, oh, when I hung out with you guys at this time, you know, this was what was going on. And it, it, it reframes and adds a kind of, um, yeah, an extra dimension of like, whoa, that was going on then. And I guess this week, um, there's been a little bit of hoo-ha in the media around, um, yeah, in New Zealand, us not being able to gather as more than 10 people and, and some Christians uh, being upset about not being able to uh, have church um, in their building. Uh, still and I guess for others um, it's been a moment of saying that's okay we can we know church is the people we can just keep gathering in small groups we're chill with that and I guess yeah I was just really reminded in the in the mix of all that that the church is the people and that it, it matters that we um, that we gather as we can and um, it's not about it's not about the building and so yeah that's something that I've been kind of mulling on this week as much as I'm looking forward to being back together in one space. Um, the church is the people. And so um, another kind of quirky thing about this time is that tonight we're supposed to be Vision Sunday, which is this once a year um, kind of mega sermon, which gives the kind of a bit of a yarn around like, oh, this is where we're going for the year. And um, I don't know about you guys, but personally, I'm finding it hard to think, have vision for more than like the week ahead at the moment. It's, a, it's pretty like here we are just being present to what God is doing right now um, at the moment. And I think that um, just picking up on what Era, Era shared um, in that word, sometimes when the future is uncertain or there's, you know, we can be preoccupied looking at what's coming next and what's going on, it's really helpful to remind ourselves of what is the last thing that God said or where's God been before and ground ourselves in the story of what's been. And so tonight, um, we're, we're not really doing Vision Sunday, but we're kind of doing Storytelling Sunday, which shares some of the heart of, of I guess, God's heart for Blueprint. And so Jesse and Haim are going to share um, some stories um, with us. They're kind of big brothers and sisters in this space. They've been around for longer than a lot of us. Um, so yeah, it's, it's special to have them share. So I think Jesse's going to kick us off first with some story time. Jesse Black, everybody. Oh, appreciating all of that. I just realized at that point that we hadn't actually landed the plane on who was going to go first, but like in all the conversations, I'd shared first and then Hamish had shared like what, like I'd been like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. And then Hamish had been like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this. 
So it was the kind of default, but just was like, oh, we never actually had that conversation. Just such a gentleman hang, just, you know. <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> yeah. Um, just as we invite Jessie to start sharing, I'd just like to pray for her and bless her. She does that. I'll pray for Hamish too. You can get blessed too. Yeah, hand on hand. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, Jesse, I just uh, lift you up before our Father in Heaven. And um, just as we were worshipping, I actually um, was reminded of um, another thing Scotty said, says, which is um, the form and the fire. Mm. And I just want to acknowledge the places that you've worked hard to build up the form mm. of what your faith looks like of what your faith looks like um, for yourself and also in this community and the ways that it's blessed this community. And I just bless you tonight as you speak to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. Blaze, Spirit, blaze. Um, you're welcome here. Um, Jesse has created this form for you to move in it. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, do, do what you desire to do in Jesse and in us as we listen. And um, Lord, um, in the same breath, I also lift up Hamish to you and I um, um, I bless his wairua and Jesse's wairua as they um, speak together. And um, uh, Hamish, I just bless you with um, kotahitanga, the, the unity of the spirit. Um, in your words um, and what you have to bring for us. And... Um, yeah, I just bless you with an intimacy of a knowledge of Jesus who walks beside you yeah. as you bring the word. Yeah. Amen. Cool. Uh, I'm just going to do some little bit of a reorganize of how I've got my screens. I was originally going to do the double screen time of having um, you guys on one screen and then we have our second monitor just to our left um, or my left, um, but I'm actually not going to do that. I'm just going to make you guys smaller. Yeah, go on. Um, and bring this up on the screen. Oh, so good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so story time with Jesse and Hamish. Um, after story time with Cindy last week. Um, yeah, just uh, pull up a chair. Get comfy. I've got a blanket. Um, it looks like some others do as well. I guess I, my journey in terms of this starts in... Uh, 2010 um, when I turned up to a blueprint service around this time of the year so young and so naive um, and so hungry just so hungry for um, something deeper than what I had experienced in church before I started coming along and immediately just was so taken by the fact that I had never ever been in a church like Blueprint before and just I remember um talking to God at the end of that service just being like God this is so different from um, <laughs> and God just coming back to me and being like yeah and that's what you wanted right and just just very very clearly from the get-go I realized that uh if I wanted to be challenged and shaped by um by God in all aspects of my life then I needed to be in a place that looked a bit different to what I had previously known. Blueprint confronted me and tore apart all the ideas that I had about what it meant to be a Christian and the 
last 10 years have been this slow journey of um, these, these torn parts being knitted back together um, and reordered and some parts being put to one side for good and other parts being brought in. Mm. I think that in an image um, is actually a really beautiful image of what we as Blueprint also have done in um, our journey on a community level um, and particularly just thinking around um, our journey with um, coming into the Anglican Church. I guess I go back to this one thought that Anna had. Um, we had to describe ourselves in 10 words or less at a passion fest and the 10 words that she chose or however many words it actually was was an angry teenager grows up and that to me really summarizes um my journey as part of blueprint but also i think it does really summarize blueprint's journey over the last um 10 or so years i am super super conscious of how many times i'm saying um and i'm really sorry um 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 <laughs> I'm a delight. The one good thing is that I know that Holly does edit them out of the recording that goes up online. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. So this ripping and reordering and piecing together and redefining of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to believe in God. Um, one of the joys of journeying in Blueprint is that there was always someone slightly ahead of the journey. Um, who didn't look with disdain on my simplifications of things in my 18 year old brain where things were so clear and also so yeah, just, just in the clarity and the in clarity of everything that I was going through just offered wisdom and offered guidance. And I think that again is, is something that we see time and time again with, yeah, with this journey that we have um, currently um, as part of a wider movement, we we get to see people who just have walked this journey a lot longer than us. Um, I'm reminded of Scotty's recent post that he put up on Facebook and then took down, and just just the kind of idea that uh, in the second in as you go in maturity, sometimes you realize that you don't always just need to start fires and walk away. Uh, sometimes it's okay to just walk away without starting the fire. <laughs> Blueprint, yeah, was crazy and a lot of carnage. And we often hear these stories of carnage, but I think it's really important to also remember these beautiful moments of times where God spoke to us so that we could be the voice that he wanted us to be in the wider movement um, of God in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I feel the more, yeah, the more that I see uh, my anger with the institution of the church, the more that I see the necessity it is that we have a place in it. Blueprint came along at a time where I was unpicking all these things around what it meant to, to follow a God who lived on the margins and yet be part of something which so strongly held to form. And I think, yeah, that idea of form and fire was really big for me in terms of understanding how I could sit in brokenness and sit with broken people and confront those questions that were really, really difficult. And um, at the same time, still do things like the Eucharist. And 
yeah, my deepening of my understanding of what it means to be part of a church and a community, um, that word, the Ecclesia, just really, um, really for me, um, gave a lot of life into what it means to be the body of Christ. In the Eucharist, we have this idea that there are four movements and I promised I wouldn't talk about bread, but it's only bread adjacent. <laughs> um, we talk about um, the body as the body of Christ uh, being taken, blessed, broken, and sent. And I think when I came to Blueprint, I was already pretty broken, but I was taken in and um, I was blessed by a lot of people. Um, I just remember my first service and a person who didn't know me at all turning around and offering a word and offering a prayer and then running off because she had something else to do and I didn't even get to say thank you. Uh, people like Jonathan praying for me. Um, I've actually just been going through my old journals and yeah, I have these, these lines where I, I see like, and I had a great conversation with Ali in the kitchen today and it's just, yeah, it's just uh, kitchen ministry 2K12 or whatever it was. I was taken in and I was blessed. And I was allowed to be broken and I was broken some more um, because in my brokenness beforehand, I guess it was all just this hypothetical lives that looked different to me. But I guess because of Blueprint, I had to see lives that were really different to me. And that was such a blessing in itself to recognize that uh, in my brokenness, I was actually, yeah, I guess just allowed to see other people in their brokenness and the vulnerability um, of our wounds being, um, being open to one another. And then we were sent out and we were sent back into a world that, yeah, again, we got to see our vulnerabilities um, and, and live out of that and live in this countercultural way that again, uh, that in return kind of brought people back to this place to be blessed. And I think when I look at that journey, yeah, I also, again, I keep harping back to this, this relationship that we have with the Anglican church. It was such a huge thing for us to do that. And I think we are, and now it seems like really second nature that we're part of this bigger body, but for such a long time, that was just, so inconceivable and I remember when I first heard about it and I was really kind of quite confronted by it we were I think yeah in some ways we were so broken that we needed to be brought in and blessed uh by something bigger than us and yeah then we were were taken and blessed by that so that yeah we could be broken in different ways and then um and then sent out, sent back to where we, uh, our little patch and um, to, uh, to share the good news there so that others might know. I think I just see that now I stand as one in a long line of people stretching back hundreds of years who have gone through this journey of being taken, blessed, broken and sent. And I guess I continue to yeah, kind of view that as a as a pattern of my life um, that we are called into as Christians. I guess there are two images that kind of speak to this uh, that 
speak to both my journey personally of healing um, to my community journey and to our journey as part of this movement in Wellington and in Aotearoa. And the first of this is um, the Blueprint Prayer Quilt, which came up, I think we started putting it together at a Blueprint camp at Natiawa, so it must have been somewhere in the mid-2010s. And if you haven't seen the Blueprint Quirkle, it's great. It has all these very different and eclectic patterned pieces of material that have been lovingly stitched together. And to get, yeah, this blanket has been formed that has held uh, myself and many others um, as we cried, as we prayed, as we as we shared yeah, the depths of sorrow and the depths of joy with one another. One of the things that I always remember about this is Emily, who stitched it together, who's a great friend of this community. Uh, she was reflecting as she um, handed it to the community how these fabrics didn't really go together. Occasionally, they'll pull at one another. Um, some fabrics are stretchy, others aren't. Some are thicker and warmer and others are much lighter and easier to wear. And others scratch a bit but keep the integrity of the whole um, because of that integrity of its um, fabric um, that sometimes comes across as a little bit, yeah, not so nice to, to hold. <laughs> My particular woundedness and pain stems from, I guess, a, a deep belief that I'm not enough by myself to hold others. And that woundedness, I don't think, will ever fully go away. And it's a good, it's a good woundedness to have, but it's also not, not a place where I, I hope to spend my whole life. My hope is that my woundedness in that area will help me to be the material that someone else needs, to be that square that someone else can relate to, but that I can hold people because I am held by the whole. I am held by others who are not wounded in that way, that we are woven together, that um, the frayed bit of my psyche is, is held by, by someone else in our community. Mm. And over time, I believe that that healing will happen um, so that that woundedness is not an open wound, but rather a scar that, um, like Jesus's scars, um, point to, to healing um, and new life um, in a way that we don't imagine um, new life will always look. Our journey as a community has been from being a lone wounded voice um, who found its identity in its woundedness to being folded into something bigger. And because we are something bigger, we get to hold these people on the edges and we get to cover them with this quilt, sometimes physically, sometimes not physically, but we get to understand that, yeah, we are part of something bigger and, um, and better for it. Mm. Um, the other image that really stood out to me over the years, and I actually think I first heard it on at least, like one of my first services, if not my first service at Blueprint. Um, and it was a dream that Anna Reeve had about uh, being at the goat shed in a courtyard that no longer exists. And yeah, she had this very vivid dream that she wrote down 
uh, and a couple of things if you haven't heard this before. Uh, so yeah, it was it was the community all gathered together, uh, eating together, and in this courtyard, everyone's having like is I I in my in my vision of this vision, it's just kind of like this idyllic summer day. For once, Wellington has no wind. Everyone's just like having a barbecue, having a great time. And yeah, Anna said that she heard singing happening, uh, that everyone started singing along to the song that uh, was so vivid that she could sing the tune when she woke up. There was this just deep worship that was flowing out of uh, their life together that held everyone. And then in this dream, this wall appears and everyone kind of looks at it for a minute and someone comes up to it and pushes it down. And this celebration, it was a little bit difficult, but we got over it. And then another wall appears. But this time there's a glowing brick in the middle. And it's hot. It's, it's, it's so hot that like they can feel the heat on their faces. And they're still worshipping and, and coming together. And that second wall is pushed down as well. And it's a lot harder to do because you can't touch part of it. Um, but we get through it and then uh, the thir a third wall appears and this time it's just all glowing hot. It's too hot to touch. It's too, too much. And people start to drift away. Um, the words are kind of, yeah, that it isn't, um, that it can't be, can't be conquered. Mm. And so it kind of ends on this quite tragic note. I guess we've, we've thought quite a bit about uh, this, this prayer, um, this this third wall, but also the stream as a whole, uh, as a leadership for years, um, before I was on leadership, it's been discussed. It will probably still be discussed after. I'm really, really sure that God does not want us to assign specific challenges that we face to those walls. But I am really sure that this is an image which allows us to understand the importance of community and worship to move forward. Mm. And that's, uh, the fundamental thing that I take from this is that it is through our life together and our life with God that we move into the ability to face these um, obstacles that God puts in front of us, uh, that not that God puts in front of us, the obstacles that are put in front of us. We remember that there is more than in the event of church and that's been never so true as in the current time that we face it, that we find ourselves in. Uh, we sang songs today like we do every Sunday, but um, yeah, there's something about the life of the church as a whole that we see God in these small moments. We share these small moments with one another. We come and we sing and we um, praise God together around the dinner table, around uh, the war memorial we come together uh, at Lyle Bay and um, jump up and down to see our friends. There are small moments of, of life together that actually are, are building strength in our community, uh, not for the challenge of, of not being able to be in one physical place, but for the greater challenges that we are facing as a community that lives in a broken world that does not yet see the fullness of the kingdom of God. Yeah, so the quilt and the walls are the two images that really have 
helped me in my uh, small and long time as part of this community. Just help me see how I have have a faith that is a journey with one another. Mm-hmm. And I hope, uh, yeah, if those are new to you, then um, then those are helpful images to help see how how you have a, a part in this as well. That it is never just one person who um, who steps forward into um, setting the direction, but it is all of us coming together um, and and seeking God together that allows us to do the great work of the kingdom. So that's uh, where I'll leave you and um, tag in M Dog. Oh, kia ora, Jesse. Thank you for your sharing. Kia ora, bro. Awesome. Well, um, for those who maybe don't know me, I'm Hamish, and I sort of came to my entry into Blueprint was weird because I like probably started coming around somewhere around 2010 or 2011, but like kind of very like very cautiously sort of like tiptoed my way in before I was like, um, before I kind of reached this point where I was like, yeah, this is definitely my place. But I remember um, when I first came, I came off the back of this period of about two years where um, I had been um, kind of in full deconstruction mode of my faith. And, um, and in that time I kind of tapped out of church, kind of tapped out of many of you know, kind of the circles of friends I'd had. And it was just a really lonely place to be in um, to kind of not really be sure uh, what exactly I believed and not really have anyone else at the time to do the journey with. But one of the beautiful things about Blueprint when I finally came around to it and actually, um, I guess, dove in and committed deeply um, was that Blueprint um, became a place that uh, that held me through that, um, not just through my deconstruction, but actually through um, through many other things. And I think just as like a little side note, because I know that there's often a lot of people in our crew who are going through, you know, kind of pulling apart their faith and and really taking ownership over it. That I think something I realized um, kind of in my early 20s was just that God isn't, isn't intimidated by my doubt. Um, he's not really put off by my doubt or my uncertainty around things. And so I think just to like name that, name that this community is a safe space and God is a safe person to take our doubts and our worries and uh, uncertainties too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I think I'll quickly just jump off um, some of what Jesse said. I'm just trying to think of where to start here. So Jeezy talked about these these two images, and uh, I'm going to bring uh, a couple more images which have really spoken to me in my time at Blueprints. And for me, they kind of they're two different images, but kind of speak to uh, to similar things or a similar journey. So the first one is the harakeke, like a flax plant. Um, this was a picture that was given to us a few years ago. And um, the idea around this flax plant is that there there are three parts to it. There's the rito, which is like the very um, inner shoots of the flax plant of the harakeke, and the very tender parts that um, that need nurture, support, and protection. Uh, There's 
the, the next layer out are the afirito, um, so the kind of bigger shoots that, um, that hold um, those inner shoots, that hold those uh, inner shoots in and support them. And then there are the tupuna, the, um, the very outer shoots that are, um, that weather the elements that are sacrificed to the elements. And this was a picture that was given to us a blueprint that there are, there are people in our community who make up, you know, will sit in one of those three spaces, um, those tender inner shoots that just need nurture, love and protection and just to be held for a, a time and a season. There are the afirito, so people who um, kind of hold those, uh, hold those uh, tender inner shoots um, together and support and nurture them. And then there are some of us who become the, the tupuna, those outer shoots that get sacrificed um, to or get sent out to weather the elements beyond our community, as it were. So uh, there is uh, there's that image. And then the second image um, was one that I think Cindy might have given us this image as well, um, the Cave of Adullam from 2 Samuel. And just to give a little bit of context around that, so David is on the run from Saul. King, this is King David. He's on the run from Saul, who's... Um, Try, who tries to kill him for ages, basically. He, um, he's out on the run and um, he, takes, uh, he takes shelter in this cave and he um, draws a number of people to him. And these people are described as being um, distressed, discontent, and in debt. Distressed, discontent, and indebted. Um, and we felt that this was, um, for a time, a really relevant picture for Blueprint that. Um, that there were many people in our community who would be, you know, one or, <laughs> or perhaps more, you know, in that space of being um, distressed, discontent and indebted. And the end of that passage talks about um, how eventually um, David and his men um, emerged out of this cave as mighty men of valor. And that picture, um, for a while, we kind of not ignored that last part, but just couldn't quite see it in front of us. And um, for a while, yeah, that wasn't really in our field of vision. But um, over the last few years, we have, as a leadership, I think we've really sensed this, um, you know, this kind of shift in our narrative and experience as a community that not for everyone, but on the whole, um, as a collective, we are beginning to step out um, of this cave and become mighty men and women of valor. And so the, I guess the two things around these, or the observations I guess I have around these images are that um, these two pictures, the one of the Harakeke and the one of the cave of the Dullam, is that we are all going to be in spaces, you know, one of those spaces where we're in the cave, where we need love and support we might be in a space where we actually have a bit more resilience and are able to are able to hold um, hold and nurture the rest of our community. And um, some of us, in fact, I would say all of us, sooner or later, will be sent out, will be sacrificed to the elements, to the elements of the world beyond blueprint. And I've often found in my experience that I kind of go through cycles, like probably every few years, I'll do the cycle of being the rito, like those tender inner shoots, the afirito, 
and um, in some cases they're the tupuna, the, those outer shoots. Yeah, so um, I would say that for most of us, we are in, yeah, one of those phases and thinking about that cave of the Dullam image, maybe it's just that we need to take refuge and adjust like, you know, kind of a little bit, just, just need some shelter, need some protection, but that eventually um, the call of all of us at Blueprint is to emerge from that cave um, and to, to go out and bless the world around us. Yeah, and I think, um, I think just to um, reiterate the point that Cindy made uh, last week around this thing of everyone in our community has a part to play. I think this is really important um, that at Blueprint, it's not just a handful of people who do all the mahi, mm. that actually um, our expectation um, is that if you are someone who calls this place home, that we all pitch in and contribute um, and that we all actually have something of value mm. to bring. Yeah, so I think just to like give a, an example I've seen just over the last few months is um, just a mihi to Danian, um, wherever he is. Um, I just remember being really taken aback that basically within um, two weeks of him showing up at Blueprint that, at least in my mind, he'd kind of, you know, he just kind of decided that this was going to be his place. And I could just see him like kind of just taking all this initiative um, just around the place. And even just um, in helping us with, our, say, our audio for, um, for Zoom calls, yeah. leading seasonal guide groups, um, he's just been all over it, like just has a really high degree of ownership over playing his part in this community and um, and offering what he has to give. So um, kia ora for that, bro. And um, yeah, I th that's our hope. That's our hope that everyone will be able to bring something. Kapai. Cool. So um, just for this last part of the corridor, all, I'm going to sidestep a bit and... Um, just speak a little bit to our bicultural journey as a community. And the reason for this is that, um, I th obviously it's important for, um, I think, all followers of Jesus and Aotearoa to have um, some level of engagement um, in this story because, you know, we, we're on this land, we inhabit it. So there's some onus in that regard. But I think there's also, um, I guess the Anglican Church, which Blueprint has now, um, has now joined, um, fully committed to, the Anglican Church is a very, um, their history has been bound up with Māori since the beginning, that, you know, Samuel Marsden belonged to the, the Church Missionary Society, who were a part of the Anglican Church, you know, at the beginning. And, um, and from the start, um, a lot of the key religious, um, like, Māori religious figures belonged to the Anglican Church. And a lot of the key Pākehā figures in that story belong to the Anglican Church. So, like it or not, our story, you know, our story, um, by virtue of being part of the Anglican Church, where, you know, we're, just bound, we're deeply bound up um, as a community with that story, um, whether we like it or not. And it's been awesome for me because I think Blueprint was really uh, the place which began to nurture that sense of calling within myself to... Um, to, uh, to kind of dive headfirst into the Ao Māori. And I remember probably, a, I'd say one of the main moments of awakening for me around this was when, um, I don't know um, how many of you remember all the stuff that happened with Andrew Judd up in New Plymouth, 
But long story short, he was um, the former mayor of New Plymouth. He basically put forward to council this idea of having, I think it was two compulsory Māori seats in the council chambers. And um, basically they just, the rest of the council, council folks wouldn't have a bar of it. They unanimously voted against it. And Andrew Judd at that point decided to step down. He was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just in this like context where there is still deeply entrenched racism and um, I actually just, um, I can't abide by this. And so as a part of his response um, to this series of events, he, he organized this hikoi from um, the council chambers in New Plymouth to um, the marae at Pareaka. So it was, uh, it's about 60K or something. And um, it was uh, done over three days. So each day was like a leg of 20-ish kilometers. And, um, and so a crew of blueprinters uh, went up for the last leg of that hikoi. Would have been like 20 of us, um, perhaps. And, um, you know, we walked with a few hundred other people um, onto the marae at Pariaka. And I just remember as we were like walking onto the marae, hearing the karanga, I guess hearing that voice come across the paipai, something just resonated within me, I guess on, a, on like a, you know, a deep kind of spiritual level and just realizing that um, this moment was really significant, not just for um, those of us who were there, not even just for, you know, not even in, in Aotearoa in general, but, but for Blueprint as a church community, that this was actually a really uh, formational moment for us to, um, you know, I guess like a, a kind of catalyst sort of moment where um, we kind of realised that, oh, this, you know, this is actually one of the, it's one of the components to being a follower of Jesus is actually engaging in this bicultural story um, in some way or another. Um, and working out how to be uh, good treaty partners um, or good Māori, you know, in, in my case, um, or maybe a combination of both. And it's been really cool to see, I guess, Blueprint um, taking baby steps into, you know, deeper and deeper into that journey. So that a couple of things around that being that our leadership for the last couple of years has um, uh, started to build a relationship with the Tikanga Māori Church here in Wellington City. And so um, we've been going along to their church services, which they have once a month at um, Pipitea Marae. And that's been awesome, just getting to connect, connect in with them. And for those who don't know, the Anglican Church has three strands. Um, so Tikanga Pākehā, Tikanga Māori and Tikanga Pacifica. And that, I guess that's the other great thing about the Anglican Church is that for almost 30 years, they've decided to make this bicultural expression of the Anglican Church as a whole here in Aotearoa, like a really big priority. And so it's been cool to connect with our Māori brothers and sisters here in Wellington. Mm. Um, one of the other things we've done is that we've connected with uh, Dr. Rangi Nicholson up at um, up, in, up the coast in Ōtaki. At the moment, he's living at Ngātiawa, but um, it's been cool to... Um, to begin to, um, well, really begin the journey with him, to build a relationship with him and to glean his um, wisdom, knowledge and experience as a Māori minister, you know, in the Tikanga Māori strand of the Anglican Church. And I think just one final thing, and this has been my reflection, 
I guess, coming out of my own journey in this space, is that the Māori world and what it has to offer us, it actually gives us, um, I've realised that it actually gives me and gives everyone, I think, um, all followers of Jesus, a different angle or a different way of seeing God that you actually can't see um, through a Western or a Pākehā lens. It gives us an extra kind of angle um, with which to, to see and view God. And I think because of that, the Māori world and its tikanga is actually a gift, not just to Māori, but actually to all of us, that it actually it enriches our, um, our walk with Jesus. Um, and I can so attest to that um, from my own journey and my own story.